What is the difference between interviewing for medical school and residency? How do you prepare mentally for third-year rotations? And finally, what is the transition like for a fourth year, and why is it important? Today on Talking Admissions and Med Student Life, I interview Katie, a fourth-year medical student here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. Uh, I've got a great guest today, Katie, a fourth-year medical student here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Hey, hey, Katie, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing, Dr. Chan? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I'm so glad you you have come on. I've been trying to get you for many weeks, <laughs> and you've been out touring the country, interviewing. Yes, so, seeing new sites. <laughs> seeing new sites. All right, so let's talk about the beginning. Let's go back. Let's okay. think about your med school career. What ha- What was the biggest surprise to you about coming to medical school here? Oh, biggest surprise. I would have to say that um, really the the need to balance your life okay. <laughs> um, has been one of uh, – I, I knew medical school was going to be hard. I was mentally prepared for the demanding time in the classwork for the first two years and then uh, the very demanding time in the clinical rotation during third year. Uh, but then learning how to balance that with having a relationship, having friends, still getting out and doing things and um, getting out and enjoying the mountains here in Utah. Um, I think that that was something that took me a little bit of time to really figure out how to balance my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that I succeeded. I think that it really came down to learning to prioritize and to um, – be very good at time management. <laughs> so, I mean, what are some tips? I mean, would you like make a schedule for like the week ahead and just like stick to it? Or, I mean, how'd you, how'd you do that balancing act? Yeah. Some of that was scheduling of saying, okay, I have a test coming up. So in the first two years you have a test either every week or every other week. Mm-hmm. So knowing that probably the weekend right before the test, I shouldn't plan to go skiing or I shouldn't plan a big hike with friends. And maybe I could do a, a small thing, uh, in an evening after studying as kind of a reward for that day, mm-hmm. but to really set aside that time for studying. Um, and then throughout the week, kind of give yourself little mini goals to go for. So, okay. I, it's, Wednesday now I need to cover Monday and Tuesday's material so that I stay on top of things. Um, And so I think really just learning, knowing what your learning style is and learning uh, how to go about either setting a schedule and making sure then that you're staying on top of that schedule. Mm -hmm. but. Being okay with giving giving some forgiveness as well if you're not on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's really important because, I mean, you can beat yourself up. Anyone can beat themselves up, you know, because I have a schedule and sometimes I deviate from it because, you know, life happens, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, it's hard to kind of maintain like 100% fidelity to the schedule you set out. So maybe flexible. Right. Being Mm -hmm. flexible and also in that schedule, maybe giving yourself some flexibility. So for uh, step one. It's a very big exam in medical school. I don't know if you've talked about it on these before. Uh, we've, we've alluded to it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's this very big exam that um, some people say it can more or less determine what you can go into and what your career can be. Um, and so it's quite intimidating. Uh, but it's similar to the MCAT in that you prepare for it, you study for it, and then you can do well. And in making that schedule, I was certain to set aside time for learning uh, different antibiotics for a certain week, but then would give myself one extra day just in case I fell behind during mm-hmm. one of my days that week. So I think that that's part of the forgiveness is letting your schedule have some of that leeway in it. Mm-hmm. I think that's good you mentioned that, Katie, because I just saw an email you sent out. Like you're part of the board review course. Yes. And uh, what is your guys' title this year? Because you, you brand yourself year after year. Yes. We we have not come up with a name yet. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. Can I give you some suggestions? Yeah, oh, I would love some suggestions. Board Destroyers. 
Oh, I like that. Okay. Um, or destructors. Ooh, I like I like right. that as well. Uh, Neil Patel, who's also part of this, mm-hmm. uh, we had this thing during first and second year where um, there's this article that, or this uh, paper that came out that said if you said success or master before a test, you actually did better on that test. Wow. It's similar to kind of taking the Superman pose before you're going to go into an interview. Uh, somehow you build up this confidence mm-hmm. and uh, you can score higher. So I think that, that yeah, that master boards or board success or something right. like that. Mm-hmm. Well, not massive boards, but something I, along those lines, maybe. I don't cool. know. I'm excited by this. I didn't know about the Superman pose either. Did you do that when you were interviewing, <laughs> either for medical school or residency? Uh, I did not do it for my medical school interviews because I wasn't unaware of it. But I've done it a few times during my uh, interviews for residency. A Superman pose. So what does that look like for the... Or a superwoman pose, yes. as it were. So, um, so you stand and you uh, can either look in a mirror or not. It doesn't really matter if you're okay. looking at yourself. Uh, and you you take like a superhero pose with you put your hands on your hips and put okay. your elbows kind of a put little bit behind chest, and chest, chest out. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, stand tall and um, think positive thoughts about yourself for a moment and then walk into that interview and... Do you do this in the waiting area with other applicants, or do you do this alone in the oh, bathroom? Oh, alone. Okay. okay. <laughs> maybe maybe in the hotel room okay. uh, the morning before, right before, I see what you're saying. Right before okay. you're about to walk out into the day. Because okay. similar for medical school interviews, that whole day is the interview from the, mm-hmm. day that, from the moment you walk out of that hotel room until you come back to that hotel room at night or until you leave that city, kind of, more or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're on. Cool. So we got off track. I love this. I love the little tangent. So let's go back to this course. So what does this course look like? How do, how do you as a fourth year student help teach the second years who are preparing for step one? Right. So this is a course I took it. Um, I didn't really know too much about it until I had the three medical students who were fourth years at that time when I was a second year come and present to the class. Um, and I, I learned a lot from it. So mm-hmm. you learn, you meet uh, weekly during the lunch hour period or whenever, for about an hour a week to t- cover high-yield material. Mm. And not only that, but you're trying to also cover the material that the students are struggling with and give them some of your either mnemonics or some of your crazy analogies or crazy stories that you came up with to remember the material. Because step one is it's kind of a game you have to learn how to play. Mm-hmm. So you have to learn how to take the questions and what to read from the questions and what to highlight from each question so you can get the right answer. Uh, so you, in part, you're teaching them that, but you're also teaching them how to uh, correlate different topics together. Okay, cool. And then do you meet every week up until the test itself? Yeah, so we'll okay. start in January, okay. and then we'll go, um, I guess, through, until the school year, and if they want to continue until most people take the test sometime in June. Mm-hmm. So we'll, um, if school ends in May, then we'll con- we can continue on if they want. But at that point in time, most people have learned enough from us or from the board review class mm-hmm. that then they need to just have their own time to create that schedule and stick to the schedule that they're that they're on mm-hmm. excellent I'm, I'm so glad you're helping out with that katie it sounds like sounds like a lot of fun it's a I, I get the sense it's a strong tradition here for the fourth years to come back out and help the second year so i just love that yeah but, i think so i you've you've gone through it you learned a lot during that process you learned what works what doesn't work and there's still things to to this day that stick out of i remember learning in that course or studying for step one oh i remember that those two things go together because of this and mm-hmm. just little crazy stories all right so let's talk about third year mm-hmm. what are some tips to get through third year i think you have to be mentally prepared that it's going to be rough and then it's not as rough as as it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so knowing ahead of time that sometimes you might be at the hospital for 
more than 80 hours a week, mm-hmm. uh, which is a lot. And when I was I uh, was dating my significant other at the time, and he was like, oh, 80 hours, they say that, but you're going to end up being on call for most of that time and at the hospital for maybe like 40 or 50. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I don't know. And it turns out that there's some rotations that are harder than others, mm-hmm. some rotations that you are at the hospital for 85 hours, maybe 90 hours a week. Um, but you learn a lot during that time as well. It's your real time to get your feet wet or maybe even not wet, completely soaked in the pool. Mm -hmm. Um, And you uh, build really great relationships, not only with patients, but with um, the residents that you're working with, with the attendings, and with other people in your class. So even if if you're at the hospital for those large amount of hours, did you still like being there? Or was it hard being away from your husband or your boyfriend at the time? Um, I loved it. Okay. So it was was amazing because you're finally applying everything that you learned during the first and second year. Mm -hmm. You're really seeing it. You feel like you're making a difference. And that's the best thing that I can take away and, like, remember when I am a resident is to make the medical student have a job and let them do their job Mm. because I felt like, on the rotations that I had something to do and the rotations that there was a patient that I was responsible for, those were the rotations that I learned the most on and the most that I felt that I was part of the team in contributing. Did you tell me about a time when you got a job that you really liked? I mean, like what kind of jobs are you talking about? So uh, on my surgery rotation, for instance, okay. uh, I was responsible for two to three patients mm-hmm. um, given what like particular week. And you would go in in the morning and take down the numbers from their labs from the night that they had previously drawn in the early morning and look to see what the trends were. Uh, You would go in and check on the patient, see how they were feeling. If they had had abdominal surgery, check on their abdomen, make sure that they're okay. Ask them if what kind of where they are in the recovery process. And then you report back to the team. Mm. So that was that's really what your job is. So you're kind of more, more or less acting like an intern, but you have your responsibility. So instead of covering the whole team or being mm-hmm. responsible for 12 people, you're only responsible for a small handful. Mm-hmm. And as a, as you get more and more used to what questions you're supposed to be asking and you gain more responsibility, so you start off with maybe two patients and then it can go up to four or five patients. Uh, and I think that's great too, to see that you're learning and that they trust, trust you. you. Yeah. Because I, I think it's very key, Katie. I mean, like if the team knows that you're on top of things and you're reliable, dependable, they will give you more responsibilities Mm -hmm. and i think uh i'm pretty sure you got some awesome evaluations out of that because people could see that skill in you would you would you agree with that yeah Yeah. i would definitely Mm -hmm. um and so i think that's something to take away and that's something that i learned at the beginning of third year i at the beginning of third year i thought i was going to go into uh med peds Mm -hmm. uh which is a dual board specialty where you learn uh, pediatrics and internal medicine uh, but I didn't know 100% that that's what I was going to do. And mm-hmm. so I made sure to go into every single rotation, even starting off with my neurosurgery rotation at the very beginning of third year, uh, saying, well, who knows, maybe I'm going to be doing this in the future, and then just giving it your whole heart each time. Mm-hmm. And so what kind of doctor are you going to be when you grow up? What have you decided? So I have decided to be an obstetrician and gynecologist. Mm-hmm. And so I'm right now applying for OBGYN residencies. Why? What attracted you to that field? Oh, kind of similar to um, going in with this open mindset of not knowing exactly what I wanted to do. It was a rotation that I felt uh, the most excited about absolutely every single day that I was there. Mm-hmm. This was one of those rotations that you're maybe at the hospital for those 80 to 85 hours a week. <laughs> and even with those long hours, I absolutely loved it. 
on labor and delivery coming in, looking at the board, seeing that there was going to be a patient that was maybe going to deliver during the time that you were there, going in, meeting that patient, meeting that family, and then being a part of that very special moment when they bring a new person into the world was incredible. Mm-hmm. Going to clinic to see the uh, the OB patients who were coming back, even though they weren't my patients, I was working with a resident who, mm-hmm. whose patients they were, and going in and measuring their fundus and listening to the fetal heart tones and having seeing how excited the patients were and seeing that continuity was really special as well. And then that just translated. I had gyne next, so that was three weeks of gyne surgery and learning about how intricate those surgeries were mm-hmm. and how much this really makes a difference for those women. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with it. Yeah, that's awesome. So I like how you said you were thinking about doing medpeds and then you had this really powerful positive experience in your third year and you switched mm-hmm. i think i get the sense a lot of your classmates did that yes yeah. i i think so in fact there was a another uh women in my class who had she came into med school thinking that she was going to do OBGYN from the from the get-go she was, mm-hmm. was all about women's health she did her rotation and she did not like it at all mm-hmm. and instead she is going into psychiatry actually but she uh I think that that's important. I think it's important to keep an open mind and, mm-hmm. like I said, to go into each rotation feeling like you're going to give it your all mm-hmm. because who knows? Maybe you are going to really love it. Yeah. Or if and you don't want to have a bad review, I guess, if you if that's what you end up doing. So right now you're interviewing for residency positions. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you can think, but like you know, someone asked me the other day, like like Dr. Chan, what do you think? Like, is there a difference between interviewing for medical school and residencies? And to me, like that was so many years ago. Like, what would you say to that, Katie? Is it kind of the same feeling, or is it a different feeling? Or it's a little bit the same feeling, uh, but it's also different. I feel for medical school interviews, it's a lot more focused on you as the applicant. You are the you are the one who's interviewing, mm-hmm. and you are just applying. Most applicants, I don't know what the average is now, maybe. 20 some odd schools yeah, anywhere from 15 to 25 yeah. so 20 is a good number yeah. yeah so i didn't do that so i can't speak to my experience doing that but um i know that you definitely feel that you are the one who is getting interviewed mm-hmm. whereas now i feel that i get to also kind of interview the school mm-hmm. i get to ask the residents what they like about it this and that and you're really trying to find a, a match to for a program for what lifestyle you're going to want for a what learning opportunities are going to present themselves and what you really want in your own future. If you want to be an academic physician, if you want to be a community physician, if you want to be someone who's really research heavy, mm-hmm. I think that you get to do some of the interviewing as well. So what kind of what kind of aspects of a cro- program are you looking for? I mean, what kind of questions are you asking? I mean, I really love that point because like, oh, I remember doing that. So yeah, mm-hmm. like what are you looking for? Yeah, so for me, it's important to ha- not uh, lose any opportunities, so I would like to keep the door open for possibility of fellowship afterwards, okay. which is training beyond residency. And I don't at this point in time, I don't know whether or not I'm going to want to do that. So it's important to keep that door open still, mm-hmm. similar to not shutting any doors in medical school and during third year. Same same concept. I keep unless I'm 100 percent certain on something, I want to keep my doors open. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one thing. And then I've really liked research during mm-hmm. medical school and even before medical school. So having uh, good research support. So mm-hmm. it's important. I don't want to be the only one who's trying to figure out a project. Almost all medical schools, at least the ones that I'm applying for, 
require you to do uh, some research during your residency. But different schools have different setups for their research. Some of them have statisticians on board. Some of them have whole research departments. And having that extra help when you are busy as a resident and maybe have few hours to give towards research makes a big difference in how successful your research can be. So what I'm hearing from you is, and kind of like if someone's not familiar with the process, it sounds like you're interested in more academic programs. Yes. Uh, and so for those of you that don't know, when you start interviewing for residency programs, a lot of them are academic, but there are a lot of community-focused or based programs, which may not necessarily have the same emphasis on research or opportunities to do fellowship afterwards. Is that Would you agree with that? For the overall, yes. Okay. But there are a few community programs that still lend themselves to that as okay. well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you have to just kind of seek out those community programs okay. to figure out which ones still have that research support, which ones still have – graduates who are going into fellowship mm-hmm. but it's less likely in a community program for mm-hmm. sure and what what kind of fellowships are there for ob oh, there's fellowships uh in reproductive endocrinology and okay. maternal fetal medicine and what's that so maternal fetal medicine so mm-hmm. that's the one that i'm right now if i was to choose today that i had to do a fellowship that's the one i'd probably okay. choose and most likely because it's the one that i've had the most exposure to during my third and fourth year of medical school but in a maternal fetal medicine, you are the physician for OB patients, so mm-hmm. patients who are going to be delivering. You're either helping them to have the conversation of whether or not they should or should not have a baby, or during that pregnancy, what they should be doing to try to keep to keep that pregnancy. So it could be that the mom has some sort of heart condition, that it's very mm-hmm. difficult for her to be able to carry a child. So kind of making sure that she's on top of different things, uh, making sure that you're checking her heart, or uh, diabetes is the new common problem. Okay. Uh, so working through uh, gestational diabetes or diabetes before pregnancy, type 1 or type 2 diabetes before pregnancy. So it sounds pregnancy. like when her patients are more medically complicated or there might be a little higher risk to yeah. either the mother or the, the baby. Yes. And that's kind of within maternal fetal analysis. Yes, okay, all right. exactly. All right. Cool. Yeah. So there's, um, I think there's seven or eight different specialties mm. or subspecialties that you can do from OBGYN. Mm-hmm. All right. I, we got off topic. I, I love talking <laughs> to you. This is awesome. So going back to our med school here, like I'm pretty sure that uh, Dr. Stevenson in his office, they have a transition to fourth year. Yes. Correct? Talk about, about that. Because again, people ask me about our program and I don't do it justice because I didn't experience it. What mm-hmm. is that? And what, what what is that about? So I think that it is <laughs> a... Great time for us to all come together as a group to Mm -hmm. kind of keep us on track. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Stevenson more or less acts as kind of a like a father for the ERAS program. So ERAS is the application you Mm -hmm. submit for residency. So this happens at the end of your third year and uh, yeah, beginning of fourth year. Yeah, pretty much the very first week that fourth year starts. We start having these meetings. Okay. So it starts off as is it actual course? It's a course. Yeah. So I'm signed up for it. Okay. Um, And I think I get two credit hours throughout the entire year. Okay. Cool. So it starts off as uh, maybe once a month or once every other month in the beginning, just talking about ERAS, talking about what some of the difficulties are, and kind of gives a layout of try to have your personal statement done by this time, try to have all of your experiences. So similar to medical school, you have to write up all the experience that you, you've had in, med- in uh, or applying to medical school, all the experience you've had in medical school. Mm-hmm. So volunteer hours or uh, different powerful experiences. Um, doing research or this or that, and you have to write those up as well. Okay. Um, so he kind of lays out guidelines and deadlines for you. And then setting up uh, mock interviews and kind of relays the importance of that because okay. it really is the – once you have the application in, 
there, a lot of med students kind of look the same as mm-hmm. you did well on step one and step two. You did well during your clinical years. And so then it really comes down to the interview and figuring out whether or not your personality also matches with the program's mm-hmm. personality. And so you were supposed to do mock interviews. And so you meet, I think we met in July and then October and then November. And then we'll meet again in January. And so it's kind of a process to go through the whole interview system. And then we'll have a two-week rotation in April that we will learn how to then be interns. Because during all of this time of fourth year, you're traveling around, Mm -hmm. you're just checking out different places, and you're not in the clinic, you're not in the hospital, you're not doing all of those clinical things anymore. So kind of a refresher course. Yes. Like intern boot camp. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, And so that's kind of what that course adds up to be. So I get the sense, this sounds like it's mandatory, right? Yes. Everyone has to sign up for it. Okay. (laughs) Because everyone... Ideally, wants to be graduate and enter the match. So this sounds like a very much needed tool. So, right, yeah. right. And awesome. so it's a time for us to all come together at one point in time to, and for Dr. Stevenson or for other people in the dean's office to share their snippets with us, and then we branch, then we break up and go to different subspecialties after about two hours mm-hmm. in the fall, at least. Cool. All right, we have a few more minutes, Katie. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Idaho. Yeah. All right, you're from Idaho. Correct. Yes. What part of Idaho are you from? I'm from Pocatello. Pocatello. So mm-hmm. just right up the road from yeah, Salt Lake City. Yeah, not too far away. It's very nice and convenient. So what were your thoughts coming down to Salt Lake City for med school? Yeah. Right. So, well, for me, I came down to Salt Lake City for undergrad first. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked that it was only two and a half hours away from home. Okay. I liked the mountains. I grew up skiing and camping and fishing and biking. And Salt Lake was a great place. It mm-hmm. was a little bit of a bigger city, which I also wanted Pocatello is pretty small. I think mm-hmm. that the actual town of Pocatello is only like fifty or 60,000. And then with the surrounding area, it maybe adds up to 90,000. So it's fairly small. So I wanted a little bit bigger city with more opportunity um, and a time to grow. Mm-hmm. And so I came down for undergrad, and I was so happy to stay here for medical school. This is where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I had gotten introduced to the program and to the University of Utah and fell in love with Salt Lake early on. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that point in time, I was also I was dating my now husband, and his job was here, and so it really worked out for me to stay here in mm-hmm. Salt Lake. Well, that, that's I, Katie. I'm so glad we have you. I mean, I, I'm glad it's worked out, and yeah, I'm just excited. Uh, yeah, it sounds like you're just entering the next phase, and I'm excited for you to match. And I know you'll match. I, know, <laughs> <laughs> I have I have strong power. I know you'll match. That so. is every fourth year's fear. <laughs> yeah. I have told all fourth years, any fourth years listening to this, that if you are struggling with your match list, Dr. Chan will fill out your match list. Yes. So are, do you need help with filling out your match list? You know, I think I got it. I think my husband okay. might be filling it out for me. <laughs> okay. It is not uncommon for spouses, significant others to commandeer the match list. Yes. <laughs> and, and refill it out, uh, you know, behind uh, their significant other spouse's back. Well, Katie, thanks for coming on um, and I appreciate you. No, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.